And why'd he make you so special? Why did he bless you? Think about it. I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning. Gotta smile when I say that shit. I'm just, I just realized, like, we didn't even remotely touch on martial arts, and I figured that was, like, the most of what we were going to talk about. That's what I thought, too, yeah. We, we, like, barely, barely covered that whatsoever. Like, if you look at my notes, like, that's what I mean. I was also, I, dude, this is what I, I even, like, get to, but you had, you have, uh, you beat cancer at a young age. Do you, do you want to talk about that a little bit, or? Sure. Cool, cool, yeah. I mean, have you got, like, right now? Yeah, totally. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, like, when I was, um, when I was six, I started getting all these, like, really weird and crazy bruises. Like, I mean, like, this whole side of my face would get, like, bruised up just from, like, sleeping on a pillow. And, uh, it started, like, I remember my left shoulder hurt so bad at one point, like, I started getting random joint pains. And my left shoulder hurt so bad, like, I, it would make me cry to take oh, a so shirt. Oh, these are just, like, tedious pains. No, I mean, like, it, I, taking a shirt on or off, like, putting on a shirt or taking a shirt off would li- literally make me cry. Because it hurt to move my arm that badly. Holy shit. So, my mom was actually an OR nurse, so she was like, I know this isn't normal. And she kind of had feelings that... It, might be certain things, but she wanted to be sure. So first I went to my pediatrician, and he's like, yeah, these all look like symptoms. And a couple, like, very shortly after that, I was diagnosed with leukemia. At what age is this again? Six. Six, wow. Wow. <laughs> so, like, my treatment, the hard part of it lasted like a year and a half, two years, and then it, it it basically lasted from the ages of about six to ten. Like my treat, like I actually I have a copy of my treatment protocol, and it started in I believe ninety seven, the like the last couple months of nineteen ninety seven, and it was either two thousand or two thousand one when my treatment protocol officially ended. Good for you! Wow. Yeah. Was it, was it scary for you and your parents? And Oh, much scarier for my parents than myself because I couldn't fully process everything. Totally. But, like, I remember... I don't remember this quite so vividly anymore, but I'm sure my mom will never forget it because you probably never forget when your six-year-old son walks up to you and looks you dead in the eyes and asks if, you're, if they're going to die. And, like, I did that. <laughs> like Holy shit. Like, at, at the age of six... Like, and I, like, I mean, I didn't even fully comprehend everything, but I, like, I just walked up to my mom one day, because, like, they'd started telling me, like, you know, oh, you have cancer, this is bad, and I just look at her, I'm like, Mom, am I gonna die? And she just looked at me, and she's like, no, you're not. Really? I just went off and played. Oh, wow. I, I was expecting an emotional, like, breakdown from your mother. Nah, my mom is tough as goddamn nails. Yeah. <laughs> like... That's uh, my mom and my dad are who I learned how to be mentally tough from. I have no idea whether or not she cried her eyes out when I left the room. Right. But, like, my mom would never show me any sign of like emotional weakness. Right, right. Like, my mom has told me like after the fact like some of the few times I've seen your father really ball his eyes out or when you had cancer. I didn't know until years after. Really. 
And they, my, just, they didn't want to expose you to that because that shows the weakness and like mentally you're not going to take it on with the same attitude. Possibly, possibly. Well, yeah, no, that was pretty much their mindset is they wanted me to fully believe that like I will win. Like they didn't want me, they didn't want me to sense their fears. Right. Like, and that was like the biggest thing is like, like actually what, so like I have a really deep connection with my mom. Okay. Uh, and my dad, but my mom, partially why I have such a like deep rooted connection to her, why like I, I can say without a doubt, like you know, w- would you be able to kill someone for your family? You fuck with my mom, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> I was like a six year old kid. I was scared of the dark, like really scared of the dark. Right. I hated being alone. I was shy when talking to strangers. My mom slept in an acrylic armchair a little nicer than these folding chairs for about a year and a half or two years. Just, Holy shit. Just because she was, she didn't want me to be alone and afraid when I was in the hospital and they didn't have a bed for her. She, oh, wow. This is, wow. And this was, mind you, this was while she, a spinal cord tumor was developing in her back that would ultimately, like... A couple months after I got basically considered clear of cancer when I was 10, uh, turned out to be a near crippling, fatal spinal cord tumor. Holy shit. Yeah. Dude, that's my, more than anything, I just, I respect that, like, on another level. Like, the fact that she sat down in, I'm assuming, like, the, 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 these chairs are not made to be sat in more than like 20 they're about, minutes probably. No. They're about like this wide with really rigid wooden sides to them. They have a really stiff back that doesn't really give it all when you sit into it. And she would sleep there with you overnight so that you wouldn't be alone. For days on end. Sometimes. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Like I said, while a near fatal spinal cord tumor was developing in her back. That would affect her. Wait, that was, that was going on her back? Yeah. Oh my god, what? So literally like four months after, like, so like I said, when I, I was 10 when my treatment protocol officially ended and they were like, you're basically, you're cured. Uh-huh. Um, four months after we were doing an ice skating thing for my scout troop. My mom fell on her back, and she started having back problems after that. Right. And she started seeing a doctor, seeing her chiropractor, and they were like, started being like, listen, if, like, like if this were just normal back problem, if this was just a normal back problem, the stuff we're doing right now would be working. Right. But it wasn't. So they, so she went in to get an MRI, and they told her, they're like... They pretty much were like, uh, so do you want to get surgery? And she's like, so what happens if I don't get surgery? Well, so first off, we're going to tell you just if you get surgery, there's like potentially a 50% chance you just die on the table. Oh, wow. And oh, wow. if you don't get surgery, six months from now, you're going to wake up crippled. And then six months after that, or maybe less time, you won't wake up again. Ever. Period. Yeah. What, what, what decisions did you, did you make? Surgery. Because That's when you tell... Right way. I That's mean, like... The right decision. I mean, like, 
it was surgery or death. Yeah, right. And yeah. Then even surgery, like, there's no, no, uh... No guarantee. Holy shit. Well, and they also, like, there was, like, basically a 50% chance that the surgery was going to leave her permanently crippled from, like, a waist or neck down, too, because it was on her spinal cord, like, right here on her back. Yeah. So... Is that is that better, like, uh... Compared to like lower on the spine, or actually lower on the spine can be a little easier sometimes. Okay. Yeah, like high spine can be very difficult, especially like d due to the way your nervous system is structured. It can be very difficult because, like, think about so uh, this part of your spine actually does a lot to help control the motion of your core. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. So. That is why it can be problematic to have high, high spine tumors, and it just for many reasons. There are so many nerves on mobility. Well, I mean, like people people don't think about it, but like the base of your nervous system isn't your brain; it's your spinal cord and like your basal, like your basal, like neck, like brainstem. That is the core of your nervous system, or your spine and your brainstem. And your brain, or your spine actually does a lot to make, basically to make you able to move. Okay. So, if you screw with any of the nerves on the spine at all, you have a chance of crippling someone. Like, say you pinch a nerve, or you fuck up and cut here on accident, you can cripple the person. Uh-huh. So, that, that's just, that's why the surgery was so high risk. But like I said, like, it was that or death. Because, like, she had a 13 and 10 year old kid, one of whom had just gotten done with cancer. Like, I, it, in her mind, I'm sure she was just like, fuck this, I can't die right now. Right, right. Just like knowing my mom. Like, like we made it this far, yeah. Yeah. So, so this was this was right after you had beaten it. Yes, this was right after I got done with cancer. Okay. I guess that, I, I guess that'd be good timing because I don't know, like psychologically, she was dealing with both of those these traumatic events going on in her life at the exact same time. That'd be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Like, like I said, my mom is the toughest person I know. Oh, I. I it sounds like the toughest person I know. I don't even know her. Good for her. She sounds like a warrior. They told her that she wouldn't... They told her after the surgery that they were pretty sure she probably wouldn't ever walk again. And if she did, it would take a year, maybe. Uh -huh. She was walking again, like, I think it was three to six months. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, like... Yeah. She... For a while, she took some, like... Because her body just physically wasn't there. Like... She wasn't the most healthy for a while, but part of it was she was, like, trying to get to a state where she could physically move and take care of herself again. Right. Because of all of the effects of, like, the, the surgery to remove the tumor worked, but, like, you're messing around with someone's spinal cord. There are going to be effects. Right. Period. Right. End of story. Like, short-term and long-term, of course. Yeah. She still can't feel one of her feet. Really? Yeah. She'll never run again. Like, 
She is not like. Can she walk properly or? Yeah, she can walk just fine, but like, my mom can't run. Physically cannot run. Right. Yeah. Wow. Dude, she. she I don't know. I, I was going to say she might be one of the mentally toughest people walking this planet, but that's, that's a huge claim. Oh, to make, I haven't told you her whole life story. And that, that's just one part. Yeah. Like, so my mom, uh, like, she lost her dad when she was 18. Um, her only brother, due to just a myriad of personal issues, turned to alcoholism. And after years of trying to help him with it, he ended up in Florida. And we just kind of don't really talk to him anymore. Really? And that's her only brother. Right. And what about her mom? Her mom is like the only like my grandma is a fucking saint. She's like, she was the one like person that was always there in my mom's life. And like my grandma is pretty much like my second mom. I grew up with her, but my gra- my grandma and that's both of my grandmas were fucking awesome. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Um, my mom because of all because of everything that happened in her life. Like, her dad died when she was starting to go to nursing school, so she had to pay her own way through nursing school. Ended up becoming an OR nurse. Um, And then she gave, like, she loved doing it, but she gave it up when I got sick because she wanted to take care of me full time. And then after after that, she had her tumor, and, like, it's hard to be an an OR nurse if you can't stand for hours on end. Which, like, physically, it's just hard for my mom to do that. Like, the the pain... My mom has to take a, a, enough pill... It used... It, it's not quite as heavy anymore, but, like, she still has to swallow basically a fistful of pills every day to be able to walk. Oh, my goodness. Like, there was, there was a point, like, especially immediately after her surgery where, like... She was taking enough pills to trank a horse, and that was just to get her able to, like, tolerate the pain. Uh-huh. Like, she is she is every day of my life, and you could never fucking tell because she always tries to wear a smile on her face. My mom is an indescribable pain with every single step she takes. and oh. ne- you You would never be able to tell because she refuses to let it fuck with her. Because <laughs> she's basically told me before, she's like... I could spend my life bitter about all of these things, or I could try to enjoy what time I have left, and that's pretty much how she goes about it, is she doesn't have time to sit around and worry about all the little pains of her day. Right. She's got more important shit going on than that. She has a life she wants she's to live. She's probably mentally tuned them out to the back of her mind if they're that constant. She's probably got, she's probably just restrained them, like, and just suppressed that pain. Yeah. It's all mental. Wow. Dude, I would, I would never tell anybody how to live their life, but your mom should write a book. <laughs> your mom should really, like, like it would be, it, it wouldn't even be, like, just for her, like, that would be, like, a gift to humanity. That's just, that's insane. That is insane. Like, like she is a mental warrior. She's a warrior. She's a champion, man. I mean, like, where do you, dude, where do you think I, like, I didn't just get the ability to tough out pain on my own. Right. Like... My mom and dad being so strong for me in periods of my life, because, like, my mom, while she was going through all this to a certain degree, like, she was just, like, between the pain medications, the surgery, she was so fucked up, she could barely even, like, 
be there, you know, right. like mentally. So there was a period of time where like my dad was like, you know, basically my my parent, the only one I had for like a couple of weeks while she was going through her surgery just because like she had to focus on staying alive. And like I never want and I know they did. I never saw my parent when I was sick, when my mom was sick. I never saw my parents cry. I never saw them show a sign of weakness in front of me. I never saw them show me anything other than fuck every negative emotion, fuck every negative feeling. You will be fine. Your mom will be fine. We are better than all of this, and we will not be defeated. The, the, the mentality that they have to allow you to persevere is that they played a very vital role in your perseverance and that you didn't virtually your survival as well yeah very much so does it do you do you think about this whenever you think about your your life goals and like becoming an mma yeah well i mean like honestly my ability to push forward like you know my ability to push forward with some of these things in my life and the way i go go about them is entirely informed by my experiences with having cancer myself and experiencing my mom have cancer definitely because i mean like one of the biggest things people god everyone's gonna think i'm the grossest motherfucker <laughs> but no hey, every... you, can, you can put them all in here you know like just wrap them all up yeah you have to touch them like yeah but uh I think a lot of people are really afraid of living. I think a lot of people are so obsessed with maintaining their existence that they're afraid of anything that might challenge it to the point that they don't, they don't fully realize who they could be. Like when I, when I tell people a lot of like what I'm doing, they're just like, couldn't that have a ton of terrible physical effects on you? Yeah. They could, but, like... But you love it. Well, it, it's not just even... Well, I, one, I do love it. And two, like, I love it combined with the fact that, like... I don't want to be one of those people that spends my entire life busting dick to make a lot of money to live a cool life when I'm 65. Right, right. Because... <laughs> you have no idea... Like, people have no idea... How much it fucks with you and changes everything about the way you see everything when you are six years old and have to learn what death is. And not in the sense of like, you know, oh, grandma or grandpa died or like all this stuff. It's like, oh, you know, like, uh, Charlie died. Why? Oh, cancer. What? Oh, you mean that thing I've got? Oh. Huh. Cool. Like, I had to accept what death was before I was 10. Like, it, it, like you said earlier, like, there's no way an adolescent mind can fully wrap your head around that. But at the same time, like, you, you can't. Like, obviously you could to some degree, but like... I wasn't, well, like... To a certain degree, I didn't have the luxury of having that insulation from death that a lot of kids have. 
Like, I actually, I describe, uh, it's a, a line from a poem I wrote. A little, actually, nah, I can't pull it up right now. But basically it's like a little boy playing in the sand that realizes he's going to die isn't a little boy anymore. A little boy lying in the sand. A, li a little boy playing in the sand that realizes he's going to die isn't a little boy anymore. That that would you would you say it's the paradox of death? And whenever you accept death fully, and the the irony behind it is that you actually start living life more. Yeah, like that's that's the thing is like all the people I know who really like get at life and get at their vision for their world basically think like they're already dead. Like, yeah, I mean, or like they live like they're already dead. Like, they definitely live, like you said earlier, it's extremely lackluster. Yeah, a lackluster lifestyle. Like, one, well, like th that's the thing that I see a lot of people is they're always like, they're basically like, why they don't want to do certain things is like, oh, I might get hurt, oh, I might die, da 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 da, and like my thing is like. I still have this happen to this day. Like, basically, I get on Facebook and, like... There, there was a period of my life where I hated getting on my Facebook because every couple weeks, it would be, like, a new person I knew died. Wow. Every couple... Why is that? Cancer, man. Like, that's just... So you, you made a lot of friends that had cancer. Did you, like, join, like, support groups or...? Well, I actually spent a lot of time volunteering at a summer camp for kids with cancer. Really? Well, okay, so I went there as a kid, and then I, like, volunteered there a lot from, the from like, the time I was, like, 15 to, like, 19 or 20. And then just, like, life in school got in the way, which is why I haven't really done much there for a while. But I, like, I met a lot of people in the cancer community, like, also just by virtue of, like, being a kid in a hospital, like, you're going to talk to the people around you because you, like, you can only sit locked up in a fucking room for so long. Yeah. So, like, you meet some of the other kids around you and, like, you play with them when you're waiting for doctor appointments, et cetera, et cetera. And, like, it's just, like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, it fucking... Cancer sucks. And for every medical advancement we make people still die from it right. and like sometimes it's not even the fucking cancer to a certain degree it's like th there's this one guy i know who made it through brain cancer testicular cancer and i can't remember what else but then when like when i was like 19 he just died of a liver disease like that killed him in two days no <laughs> His name was Evan, and that is one of the funerals I have cried at more than any other in my life. Because three weeks before, he had hit me up to hang out, and I was like, yeah, let's do something, but I kind of like half-assed it. And oh. Like, yeah. Yeah, dude. Well, I, I, personally, if I, if I were in your shit, I wouldn't hold yourself accountable for that. Like, in, in that, like I, I wouldn't blame yourself. Nah. I, I don't know if you do or not, but... I'm just saying, I could see a lot of self-blame being... Well, I mean, like, yourself. whether or not I blamed myself at the end of the day, like, it stuck with me. Right. Like, that was when it, like, really sunk into me, like... 
like it's one thing when you hear about someone dying on the news and you're just like that's fucked up man that sucks it's another thing when it's the people you know and it's another thing when like it gets to the point like this is something really weird but like I've actually uh, I, I when I was younger I did work like volunteer work at like inner city like nursery like crisis nurseries and like I feel like there's one thing about like the like you know the fucked up ghetto culture that like you know where people are watching their friends deal drugs at twelve and die like I've never dealt with like that whole aspect of it but I I've always felt this weird like kind of understanding of those types of people like how much that must just suck that like literally just something you were born into that you can't control like you cannot control who you're born to or where you're born or your ethnicity or yeah. that like. But because of all this, because of all these factors beyond your control, you grow up in a you grow up surrounded by people just basically falling apart, some dying in front of you, like people that you're close to, and like that's why I've always like felt bad when people try to trivialize the problems of people that live like in the deep ghetto, because I know what I, I've never experienced their specific problems. But I know what it's like to just basically have people constantly taken from you. Mm -hmm. And, like, like the way that that fucks with your head is something that is so hard to explain to other people. Because it's, like, it changes you in ways that you don't ever realize. Like, for me, like, I, I don't know, like, to a certain degree, yeah, like, everyone, I kind of fear dying. Like, sure. It's not like I want to die. But, fuck, like, you talk about, like, why do, like, some of these, like, ghetto guys, oh, do all this crazy shit, like, they're never, like, you know, like, they're immortal, and it's just, like, it's not because they think they're immortal, it's because they're very aware of how fucking mortal they are. Right, right. And they're not gonna, like, when you grow up in an environment where you're constantly reminded of your mortality... It's going to change you. Yeah, and, like, some people, yeah, they're going to get really cautious and, like, you know, kind of cower and be like, okay, I really don't want to end up like that and dying. And then, I, I feel like the, the, on, the, on the opposite end, you could end up with, like, a fuck it mentality. Like, I'm going to do it and fuck the consequences. Like, I yeah. could die. Yeah. And, when, like, that's, the, that's, like, kind of my thing about, like, why I say a lot of people are so obsessed with, like, basically continuing their life that they only exist is that, like, a lot of meaningful endeavors and pursuits in life are going to involve, like, high risk. Like, a lot of the people who have achieved the most, like, some of the biggest minds and forces, <clears throat> they've suffered a fuckload. Like, they've had states of near financial, mental, whatever, collapse. Like, sometimes cases of, like, near death. Like... But at the end of the day, I bet if you asked any one of them, they'd tell you that those risks made them who they are. Like, you can't expect to have a crazy, like, simply put, like, everyone's always like, oh, I wish my life could be like this, that, or the other. And my thing is, like, your life could be that way. You're just too comfortable with the way things are to let go of it and let go of yourself and the fact that pursuing this 
might like like I mean MMA for example dude like I got dropped on my head today like I, I, I was like fucking rattled for a second I'm like you know, rolling on the ground, fucking like heads rattled and shit. Like, how low were you down for? No, not not like. I just I tried to sit down for a second so I didn't like you know. It, it's a bad idea when you get tossed on your head to try to like get up, walk around, and for like you want to take a second to recuperate. <laughs> right, right, right. But like you know, any given day. Like, even if I'm not, like, killed by something, I could take a punch that basically makes me a mental infant forever. I could blow out one of my knees. I could have any number of things happen to where my shoulders... High risk, high risk. Yeah, like, but the thing is, like, I'm gonna die anyway. And you've accepted that. And it, it, that's the uh, that's the paradox behind it, man. Like you are living your life the way you want to live it a lot more than other people in our society are. Well, and like I still feel like I'm not living fully the life I want to. You know, I'm still hungry. I'm still trying to always like I always want to be pursuing more. But like, but that doesn't necessarily make you like insatiable. It just makes you, it, 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 I guess, it's unsatisfied to a certain degree. That you're still hungry, you want more, and I, I think that's healthy. Well, yeah, like that's that's my thing is I feel like people get too satisfied with their lives; they lose their hunger to experience new things. Like, like you wonder why all these guys have midlife crises when they basically follow a societal roadmap of like, ah, oh, you went to college, or maybe you didn't go to college, but you just start working, get a family, and then just do the family thing, and that's the rest of your life, right? Yeah. And then these guys wonder when that's all they've pursued and they haven't really developed themselves outside of that in meaningful ways. And also, I mean, not guys, women too. Like, women have midlife crises too. Like, you hear about these women like, oh, everything was going great in my marriage and my wife just up and left. Like, because people are always like, I, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people don't, they're afraid they're, they're too afraid to be what they could be. And, like, not saying they're they're afraid of becoming something. They're afraid of what pain it might take to get there. Yeah. They, they, they can't love the process, which... It, does that even mean they're destined for it? I mean, if you, if you believe in destiny. But it, it, does that mean they, they're worthy of it? Well, I mean, like, that's my thing is, like... But they're being controlled by fear, and that's, you can't, that's, that's insecurity. Well, and yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like, to your point, if you don't love the process, and the process is pretty, like, like I, I kind of like I kind of like Gary Vaynerchuk's view on on this specific topic. I don't agree with everything he says, but I like a lot of what he says. Same. And one thing he says that I find very true is like, if you really want to lead a good life set destination sure but it's about the fucking journey that process like you know Gary Vaynerchuk doesn't get off on like when he's made the multi-million dollar deal like it's signed inked and done he gets off on the process of making that shit happen oh I love it I love it and like that's kind of like for me like I gave me goosebumps I, like I love that yeah exactly like for me like 
The fucking pain, the fucking getting dropped on my head, the blood, the tears, the fucking sweat, the, the like, waking up and my legs are locking up just trying to get the fuck out of bed. I love it. I fucking love it. You have no fucking clue. Like, you know what? Like, I'll be honest. I've had a lot of crazy and, to a certain degree, like, painful experiences in my life. And there's this, like, there's this ancient, well, not ancient, but there's, like, this really old Muslim poet, Rumi. And he said this line that I fucking love, and it's, the cure for pain is in the pain. And, like, for me, like, part of how I deal with the pain of my life is, like, this process of going through martial arts. Like, the pain of making myself develop in ways that are uncomfortable. Because if you think it's fucking comfortable to get dropped on your skull, you're... <laughs> you're a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. Either that or you are literally wired different from everyone else on this fucking planet. <laughs> like, I mean literally wired different. So uh, what do you mean by that exactly? Like, what's the, what's the deeper meaning behind that? The, the pain is within the pain. The cure for pain is in the pain. The cure for pain is in the pain. Does that mean you dig deeper within the pain? People want to try to deal with pain by getting rid of it. They want to feel like it is something they can compartmentalize, put into a trash bag, and throw out of themselves. But for me, the, some of the most meaningful... To me, some of the most meaningful parts of myself that I value the most have come through dealing with the pains that have come in my life. Like, I'm not going to lie, dude. Like, going through cancer as a kid in my life has fucked me up in ways that I could not even begin to describe. And I couldn't even begin to imagine. And watching my mom go through that, like, literally one of the most important people in the world to me, like, go through that right after. Like, it's... It gave me demons, like, to say the least. But the, the things I've had to face both about the world around me and myself internally through dealing with that pain is what's given me most of what I would consider my like, decent qualities. Like, if I hadn't had cancer, if I hadn't literally grown up with my friends dying around me, I would not value people in my life as much as I do because I would go through it the way just everyone else does. Like, old people die, but otherwise, you know, it's, like, not close to me. Like, for me, like, no, people around me are going to die. And, like, everyone that I enjoy could disappear tomorrow. So I, like, like, I very much, I try to not miss opportunities to see people when I have them because of that. I try to very much value my relationships with people differently. I like it reset your value system it seems like and it seems like it seems like you have your value system a lot more figured out than a lot of people than a lot of people. Uh, I mean I don't know man like but you, but you you put the value in the time you get to spend with other people and the in relationships. Yeah. Like you, you're not you're not saying here like like talking about material goods. I haven't heard you once talk about like how you how you want to I don't know get a live in a mansion whenever you're older and do this. <laughs> like you, you have your value systems very very set in stone, and I I like them. I like <laughs> them a lot. I admire. It's very admirable. Well, and I mean like. To be honest, I can't say I'd be this person if I hadn't had cancer and watched my mom go through cancer. Like, it, it forced me to face so many things. I could only, oh, I could only imagine. 
in like so going back to that line the cure for pain is in the pain like I said people always want to take that pain and they want to deal with it by throwing it away like it's something that you can get rid of but that pain is such an opportunity to develop that has been unrecognized that I think it's sad like some of the strongest people I know have like some of the most I like I would consider successful not in terms of like they have the most shit but they lead a meaningful life they do what they want to do they're a very sound person they feel comfortable in who they are all that stuff they have gone through some really fucked up things like there's this one guy uh there's this one guy that come, has come into the gym sometimes. He moved away up to Michigan now, so he doesn't train there very often anymore. But his nickname is the Human Shield. Okay. <laughs> the story behind that is... So, he he was engaged to this girl, and they had a daughter together. He still has the daughter. Um... One of her exes one night went crazy, killed his roommate and his roommate's dog, and then came to their house. Joe, the, the guy, he, uh, he, he went to the door because he, like, hears all this banging and stuff, and he's, like, he was, he's an MMA fighter, so he's just, like, Okay, who is this drunk asshole? I'm just going to deal with this and it'll be done. Well, then bullets start going through the door. Oh, my God. He was shot 14 times. No! The only reason he lived is, like, he was struggling with this guy. And, like, the guy starts shooting him, like, a couple times to the body. He starts struggling, trying to get the gun away. At one point, the guy actually shot through his hand such they couldn't even move it. So the, the guy who's being attacked is fighting with literally only one hand full of, like, eight other bullet holes. Oh, my God. And the only reason he lived, like, one of the only reasons he lived, because basically what ends up happening is... After all this struggle, the guy gets him down and puts keeps putting rounds in him as they're struggling to the point where Joe, like, the, the guy who was being attacked was, the attacker thought he was dead. Like, he's like, okay, he's dead. And went and went and killed his ex. The only reason that this guy lived, uh, like, one of the main reasons is that as he was, this was like in the entryway to their kitchen that the struggle took place. Okay. He climbs up onto the counter and there's a ghee on the counter and he tries to grab it to put it on the wounds to soak up the blood and stop the bleeding. Uh -huh. When he grabbed it, like, I mean, he literally, he had 14 shots in him at this point. He had oh. been shot 14 times. So what ended up this is this is like absurd. But he lived because when he yanked that ghee, he fell over and a bag of sugar had been 
right on top of like part oh, of it. It, 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 the sugar fell on top of him and crystallized in the wounds and that is one of the only reasons that he lived holy sh- no really yes just by it, 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 I, 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 I like ima- so what? think about it like so over here what? this guy reaches up and say this glass uh-huh. is a bag of sugar he yanks, like, and this is a gi top, like, uh-huh. like a jujitsu gi. He goes to grab it to cover the wounds. This bag falls over, and as he falls on the ground, the bag of sugar, like, the sugar dumped over and on top of him and fell into his wounds. Holy shit. The, the chance, the... And this guy... So you think if the sugar never got poured, he would even be alive today? The gi alone probably wouldn't have stopped the bleeding enough. Like, the fabric alone, alone wouldn't have stopped the bleeding enough, probably. Right. Especially with 14 bullet holes. Yes. At close range. And like I said, the guy killed his fiance, the mother of his child. He's one of the happiest people I know. Really? And, like, he's completely fine, open, telling people this entire story doesn't, like, crack up at all when telling it. And, like, when he first told me it, he's like... Listen, I'm okay telling you this, but my biggest concern, like, I'm okay with it. But some people hear it and they get kind of fucked up about it because this is fucked up. So, like, I don't want to tell it to you if it's going to fuck you up too bad. So, like, they were they were dating at the time, though, his fiance. They were engaged. They were they were to get married. The only reason he's... Okay, you said ex before, so I was thinking, like, the only reason they had broken up and they were just living together at the time. But, wow. No, no, yeah. So, Joe, Joe, Joe was engaged to this girl. Or the guy, the guy who got shot a bunch, he was engaged to this girl. The, the guy that... The shooter, he was an ex from... I don't know how long oh, ago. He was an ex, so that was his motive. Yeah, he was he was her ex boyfriend, and he went crazy. Holy shit! Yeah, I was wondering what the guy's motive was. I was about to ask. Wow. Yeah. And like I said, like think about this. Like in terms of, like I said, the cure for pain is in the pain. Like in how pain, like a lot of people I know who live amazing lives have gone through a lot of pain and dealt with a lot of pain. Like. He he was concerned not to tell this story because it's hard for him to tell, but he's like, listen, I don't want to mess you up by telling you this story. Are you okay? Right. Like, he's more concerned about the people he's telling the story to than himself telling the story, even though it was, lit- like, the most traumatic thing that has ever happened to him. Oh, my goodness. Like, literally, he was shot 14 times and then lost one of, like, the few women he ever loved. And loved enough to marry. Yeah, like. What about the child? Oh, yeah, you said the child's still alive. Child's alive. Child's alive. How, how old is the daughter? Right? Yeah, she's oh. like seven or something now. <sighs> but yeah, like, yeah, and he's one of the happiest people I know, and he lives an amazing life. He travel. He's an engineer that travels all over the world. Loves to go skydiving. Has a really great relationship with his daughter. Wow. Yeah. I feel, like, like, he, I feel like he would have to at that point. So, so what, do, what do you think he's found so much meaning and purpose in his life? Like after, do you think that's a direct correlation because of this traumatic event that happened to him? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, and like, he's kind of talked about it. Like, 
Like, he's even, like, made social media posts about it because he'll be like, listen, people ask me, like, how I've dealt with all of this stuff, and it's kind of simple. At some point, you just have to stop being a bitch. Like, and, like, this is from the words of a guy who nearly got shot to death and then lost the mother of his child pretty much before his eyes. And he, and he is saying about that experience... To a certain extent in life, you just have to suck it up and not be a bitch about things. Just not complain. Just accept it. Yeah. It, it happened. Wow. Well, because, I mean, think about, like, just in terms of, like, not even knowing anything about his mind, but, like, the situation he's in. He is now his daughter's only parent and her only rock to hold on to. Like, her mom was taken from her. Right. So, if he sits around spending all this time being super fucked up about everything, like... It's going to ruin him and then the daughter. It's, and it's going to and it's going to ruin her. Wow. So he can either just sit around and bitch about everything or he can realize like I've got a life to live and I have to make sure that others still have a life to live. Like his daughter still has a life to live. And he like you know, she already dealt with lose she's lost her mom. So he can't. He doesn't have the luxury of sitting around and moping, right? Because he wants his daughter to turn out well. So it's it's it, it really goes back to something greater than himself, his daughter. Yeah, that'd be unfair to her if he didn't respond that way. Yeah, I'm curious if the daughter was ever in the equation, if he would still handle it the exact same way. And obviously, there's no way to ever tell. But wow, good for him. Yeah. The answer to the pain is within the pain. Yeah, dude. Like, it really is that simple. Like, and like tying that back to my life, like, all of the suffering that I endure in martial arts, whether it's the pain of forcing myself to go rounds when my body is literally cramping up just to walk, or the pain of getting punched in the face and tossed on my fucking skull. Like... In that whole process, I am able to let go of the things that have happened to me in my life. I am able to process them. I am, like, like people ask me why, like, I have a pretty high pain tolerance. I can deal with a lot of shit fighting. Right. And, like, people have asked me, like, how I can sit through submissions so long, how I can do all this. And I'm, like, you know, Mark Hunt. Do you know who Mark Hunt is? No. He's a uh, he's a New Ze he's a fighter from New Zealand. He's like, uh, oh god, I'm blanking I'm blanking on the name of the people in New Zealand, but like he's like an actual native New Zealander, not like the English colonists or whatever. But um, he can take a punch from just about anyone and not really be faced by it that much. Like, world champion fighters... To the face? To the face. Oh, wow. Like, there are fights where, like, he's just, like, against people who are power punchers. He'll just drop his hands and walk straight at them and hold his chin up in the air, daring them to fucking hit him. And people have been like, how do you do that? And the thing is, when he was a kid, his dad beat the shit out of him. Like, his dad beat the shit out of him. And he once said in an interview, he's like... No one will ever hit me as hard as my dad. Like, they're just like, how do you take it? He's like, 
no one will ever hit me as hard as my dad. Wow. And I mean, that's kind of my thing is like why I keep going in martial arts despite all the pain is like, you know, if something on my body gets fucked up to the point where I physically can't do it anymore, okay, fine. But like pain-wise, nothing will ever hurt me like cancer. I have taken over 20 needles to the base of my spine. I've had a blood transfusion where it felt like fire going up my arm. Oh. Like literally as a kid, I would I like one time had an experience with an IV where I could feel my like body burning from the inside out in my veins. Like I no one can ever hurt me the way cancer has because no one can cause me as much pain. No one can take things from me the way that it has. No one, no one can ever hurt me that way again in my life. The cure for pain is in the pain. Yeah, just dig deep within the pain. Wow. Well, not that it gets you, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to call this quits if you are. I think that's a pretty good ending. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Holy shit. I'm actually, I'm going to clip these up into three different ones, so. Okay. Cool. Well, dude, honestly, <laughs> dude, like, I was thinking about this during, like, you are, you are one of the most interesting people I've ever met in my life. I've met a lot of people, obviously, <laughs> like, wow. I, I, like, I've never been at so many lost for words, like, at, at, on a podcast, meeting anybody, like, no joke, dude, like, I'm... Just lost for words. Like, like from physics to jujitsu to cancer to your mom to that story about the, the human shield, like... Oh, yeah, he jokingly refers to himself as the human shield, by the way. <laughs> so he has found humor in that? Yes. Really? I make cancer jokes. Right, right. Like... Dude, I love that. That is a superpower. Like, it, 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 I've heard comedians talk about, like, the, the superpower of comedy... And it's fully, it's like full acceptance. That's what it is. It's full acceptance. And uh, basically, long story short, I've had a, like, this, this, it was actually a year from yesterday, or 11 months ago from yesterday. But uh, I, I lost an uncle who got murdered by my cousin. And he, like, lit his body on fire and everything. And people, I'm actually able to joke about that. And people find that, like, indescribable. Like, it, but it, I feel like that's full acceptance. It's full acceptance. And, it's it's like a type of superpower, like you said. The the greatest sign that you have accepted what happens is that you don't treat it like this big untouchable thing in your life. Like so many people, like look at people who haven't moved past things in their lives. It's like, you know, they just kind of sit off with this baseline background depression and things you just can't talk about around them because they're just like. It brings back the memories, and it's like, I get that it was painful. I'm not going to deny that. But if you want to live, if you want to live and not exist, you have to move to past that. You have to. Absolutely. I like that. I like that expression, too, live and not exist. Live and not exist. Live your life. Everybody dies, but not everybody lives. For Drink. real. <laughs> like, but it's true. It's really true. Yeah. Like, and I, 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 to elaborate on that point as well, like I, I think people they they act as if the future is guaranteed, as if it is a guarantee, but it's not. Yeah, that's, that's an illusion. That's that's so deceptive. That's not that's not true whatsoever. That the the future is not guaranteed. 
only this present moment's guaranteed. So why not just live in this present moment? Just live, live, don't exist, live. Literally our entire universe could cease existing in the next 10 minutes. Like, and I mean, in terms of the laws of physics, that's actually possible. Right. Or even in not our universe, our world could get fried by our own sun by a stray solar ray any day, any time of any day. Two people a year die from getting struck by a fucking meteor. Like, you can slice it any number of ways. We are all going to die, and I can tell you from experience, it's almost always going to be at a time in your life when it's fucking inconvenient. Yep, yep, yep. Like, there is not a right time to die. Right. So you shouldn't live your life like you're plant like... Like, basically, the way a lot of people live is they're planning out their death date. They're like, I want to die an old person with all this shit. Right, right. I don't care if I die an old person. I care whether or not I have had a meaningful life to me and whether or not, like, if I can leave a good impression behind, great. But, like, even that I don't really care about because literally everything is fucking temporary. Everything. The The oldest things we know about are like 30,000 year old cave paintings or maybe not even that old but like our universe our world like the earth operates on a scale of billions of years if you took that as like a fra- if you tr- if the world if our earth's life were a line and like they've done this like a timeline yeah if, the, if our earth were a timeline we would be like the smallest portion <laughs> of it and that's why people, so true. And that's why, like, I think it's stupid. That, like, some people are like obsessed with like leaving a legacy behind. It's like, you know, I, I like the like. That's kind of why I like the like the Nine Inch Nails song, Johnny Cash song, whatever. Like, uh, it's like called Hurt or whatever, where it's like you could have it all, my empire of dirt. Like, that's really all that we're building in the course of our lives, because in the scale of the universe, like. Half the shit we do, most of the shit we do is never even going to make it out of this fucking planet. Right, right. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't get what, people don't need to worry about like, oh my god, am I going to leave like a lasting impression? Uh, like, fucking Attila the Hun. Attila the Hun. A character that... Basically, like, a historical figure that is said to be from Mongolia that was this conqueror that came through and took over most of Eastern Europe and toppled the Roman Empire, or the remnants of the Roman Empire. We have no idea who the fuck he was. We literally just have descriptions of this Mongolian army that swept through Eastern Europe and uh, Central and Eastern Asia. But how not? Did he just not, he just didn't leave any, any traces? Didn't, no history was written about him? Apparently not, like, no personal history, at least. Right. Like, he's just referred to in, like, the reason we know he, or the reason we think even, like, the guy existed is there are writings of, like, this one army that kept sweeping through and annihilating people as it went, called the Golden Horde because of the way their tents shone in the sun. But, like, my point is, that guy built an empire that rivaled Rome. We don't know who the fuck he is. That's crazy. Like, you, you, that's a great point to make, by the way. <laughs> like, you literally could build a damn near worldwide empire. You could build an entire nation, and people will be like, "Oh, this guy. 
We don't even know if that was his actual name. We don't, we don't even know if that was one person, a collection of people. We don't know. It's all a fucking mystery, but he... he in theory, he'd left more of a legacy than any of us could even like imagine to be possible, but he's not remembered. Yeah, exactly. He's not remembered. No one knows who he was. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's a really good example. That's like super applicable. Because I, I I also I would I would say I've I've grown out of it a lot, but like to some degree, that's that's somewhat of a motive. Like with with the podcast and other things like that, I'm almost obsessed with like my own immortality in some way to leave the legacy behind. But like you said, it is it's kind of irrational. It's kind of pointless. Well, I mean, like if you want to. Sure, because like... T- but it's, it's meaningless. No, I agree with you. It's completely meaningless. Yeah, it, it's... I mean, really, it is. Like... I, I mean, another example. Penicillin was discovered, like, two times before the, like, official discovery of penicillin. It just wasn't really... They didn't discover certain things about it. Right. Like... We only talk about one person that discovered penicillin, really. Unless you're in a biology class where you're like, okay, so this is what the mainstream talks about, and this is the, like... But, like, another, like, way more recent example. Like, but the funny thing about that is, like... And that's why I love science, is that a lot of scientists know that, ultimately, they... Their theories are going to outlive them. Right. Like... Most people aren't going to know all the intricacies of who thought what. It, but at the same time, like, you are nothing, but you get to be a part of this awesome, ever-continuing process. So yeah, you don't necessarily leave a tangible legacy behind in terms of like, I was this person that did all these things. But at the same time, through your ideas, you almost like... You can live well past your life. You just have to accept that you are a part of something. Right. Like something something much greater than yourself. Exactly. And like that I actually have kind of a weird I, I wonder a lot about death. I wonder a lot about death. Same. And not in the sense like I think it's kind of amazing that we die. Because as of right now, I am one piece of the universe forced by chemical bonds to be held into one spot. When I die, all the atoms that make up me will disperse and become everything around me. Some of the atoms that make up me will be consumed as carbon source or oxygen source, like the oxygen molecules, the carbon molecules, all the molecules will be absorbed by different animals, plants, the atmosphere. Some will even like, some will even just basically through wind currents get thrown out into space and travel throughout the fucking universe. When you die, yeah, you stop being who you are, but you move on into this almost like cosmic state that's how i feel too i kind of feel like whenever you you pass you have a with with the death comes an ego death and any any perspective of who you believe you might be is that the temporary self just completely evaporates and then you you 
form into everything. Your consciousness just forms into everything. And I feel like it's going to be extremely blissful, just beautiful, indescribable, unimaginable, like just, just beauty. It, it, you're, you're all, all is one and one is all like every, you're just everything at once at the same fucking time. And there's no correlation of time. I feel like there's infinite intelligence. Like I know what you mean. I, I, you I go from something to everything. Yes. Yes. <laughs> a little, a little bit of something to everything. Mm-hmm. And you know all of it. It all makes sense. And like, that's that's why I think there's magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <clears throat> something I love to think about. Really love to think about in the scope of all of this. <laughs> like the particles that we and I, I touched on this earlier with like saying you know magic when I look at the sky is, you know, the particles that make up us ultimately came from stars far, far away. Right. And our bodies are constantly changing chemical systems, so it's not like the atoms that make you up when you're born are the same as the atoms that make you up when you die. Literally, your body is, a const- is in a constant chemical exchange with your environment. The world in which you exist is further in a constant chemical exchange with the larger solar system in which it participates. The solar system is in a constant chemical exchange with all the other solar systems in the galaxy. The galaxy in a constant exchange with all the other galaxies, and further and further you can scale this up. The world is kind of just interacting because it, it's all correlated. It's all it's all communicating in some weird way. And literally. We are pieces of... We are... Everything that is, was, and ever will be all across the universe. Just by virtue of the air we breathe in and out, and by the skin cells that fall off our body in a day's time. Just... By the sheer fact of existing, we are everything. And that's... Fucking... Beautiful. Like, really. And liberating. I, I, I believe that to the, to the core of me as well. I've, But that, at the same time, I'm also, like, open to interpretation that it could be wrong as well. But I, I know what you mean, because I, I was actually re-listening to a podcast I had the other day, and my my buddy, like, kind of goes into it. Uh, he basically says, if you, if you think about who we are at the core of our being, like, we... Our, our existence is kind of purposelessness. Like, we have no meaning. And what my response to that in the podcast was that I, I believe that, but at the same time, I believe for everything. And I, can, I think that duality can exist within, within it all. Yeah. Well, and, like, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, people want to ask our place in the universe where we stand. So if you think about an atom, what an atom is, is a large central core of mass and charge. You know, like there's a heavy concentration of weight and of electrical charge centered in the atom. And then there are all of these auxiliary pieces of matter that 
the attractive forces of that matter pull in the electrons. So you know the neutron, the the nucleus of an atom is protons and neutrons, and it attracts electrons, so little small pieces that basically end up orbiting. Trying to find that equilibrium again. <laughs> yeah, and you see the same thing in a solar system. What a solar system is is a large central weight a large central mass that has a strong attractive force that pulls in smaller auxiliary forces planets in principle an atom and a solar system aren't very different at all yeah and to think about it like to an E. coli an E. coli lives for 20 minutes like a single cell of E. coli will live for 20 minutes and then die okay to, a, to an E. coli cell, we are an incomprehensible, indescribable, unfathomable God with powers the likes of which they will never be able to fully grasp. Because billions, trillions of E. coli it would take to make a system the size of us. But at the same time, in relation to planets and the stars... We're nothing. Exactly. We are but <laughs> we are buddy coli beholden to these incomprehensible gods that are the forces that govern our world. So really it all depends. It's all perspective. Yeah. Where do you want to place yourself? It's all relative. I am everything and I am nothing. And that's fine. And I couldn't agree, yeah. I could not agree more with that statement. And it's fine. And I accept that. That is what it is. Yeah, man. Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let's, let's call it quits on this one and go eat some burgers. All right. Cool. Wow, that... Like, I'm going to say it again, dude. You are one of the most interesting people I've ever met. This is... This is this was a lot of fun. This is the longest podcast I've ever done, by the way. This is like by far. I mean, we, we're at three hours, eighteen minutes on this one, and then we did that other that was like over an hour. So damn, yeah, no, that's crazy. And we just been sitting here talking. I, this is I love doing this. I, I love just having other people on and changing my perspective on the world and the way I live. And you're you're totally right. Like I, I, I don't know. I just everything. I don't know. That was a great podcast. <laughs> That was just a good conversation, man. That's why, like, I don't know. I enjoy talking to you. Like, that was fun. Same that was you. a lot of fun, man. It, it, it really did shift. I think everybody kind of shifts your perspective a little bit, like, in life. And I think, I, I, I don't know, just the gratitude and, like, your perspective on life, it, 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 it I, I can almost take some energy from that and kind of learn for it and apply my own life to it. Even though the, I, I didn't have the same experiences, I feel like I can still learn from your experiences and grow from them, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, that's exactly the thing. Like, like I was kind of saying about like how, I, like how I apply the logic of having had cancer to how like a guy in the ghetto has got to feel like I have no, I will never understand those experiences. And I'm not going to claim I ever will because like I've never woken up in the middle of the night and be like, yeah, your boy got shot. Right. Like... But I have woken up, like, one time, literally, my mom woke me up and she's like, and this wasn't even a guy who died of cancer. This was, like, a, a girl who I went through cancer treatment with. I remember literally one day my mom woke me up. She was like, oh, yeah, Chelsea's dad is dead. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, like, like I mean, like, so I, I, like, I understand that experience. Like, you know, so, I mean, that's the thing is, like, that's why I value talking to people a lot because maybe we might have such different experiences that we're not going to be able to understand the experiences themselves on a full, like, you know, equal level, but we can relate a lot more than we would think. You know what I mean? Like... Totally, totally. And, and in relating our ideas, that's where learning takes place, you know? Like, kind of bridging the gap between your world and mine. Like... Yeah, yeah. That's why... Which requires empathy, which is a skill. Yeah. Well, also just, like, listening is a skill. Being able to, like, hear somebody say something and not be like, this is fucking retarded. Yeah, yeah. But then, yeah, with it, listening without, like, active listening without judgment. Yes. I'm taking a class on listening next semester. I am so pumped for it. I'm so pumped. Like, I, I would love to learn how I can become a better listener. I'm, I'm excited for it. I actually really like, uh, I think, like, I'm sure you watch Joe Rogan's podcast. All the time, yeah. He is really, that's, I think, like, one of his greatest skills is, like, because you'll hear him, like, sometimes he'll have a, fo- a podcast after a certain podcast where the person's like, so, I heard you talk to this guy. He's like, yeah, he was kind of batshit nuts. <laughs> and, like, but you watch the podcast and you don't see that in him at all or how he treated the person because, like, he's developed this ability where even sometimes in the back of his head he's like, this sounds like bullshit. He'll, like, he'll try to engage the person. Right, right. He'll, he'll, he'll fully engage their ideas instead of just being like, this is fucking stupid. Just riding him off, yeah. Yeah. He takes it on with an open mind. Like, like even when Alex Jones is stoned and drunk talking about, like, energy vampires. <laughs> Episode 9-11. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like, I doubt he believes all that shit, but he was willing to sit there and listen. And, like, it's amazing what you can get, like, what you can learn from and get people to say when they don't feel like you're threatening them when you're listening. Yeah, yeah, when you're listening with an open mind and with no judgment. Yeah. Because, like, people... Regardless of your beliefs. People... Like, put your own beliefs to the side, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off there. Oh, no, you're good. I mean, like, that's, that's the whole thing, is, like... Uh, like, that's, that's my thing about listening, is... It's about removing your... It's about, to a certain degree, removing your perspective so that you can see someone else's a little better. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, pretty much pretty much just removing your own emotion and looking at it as objectively as you possibly can, which is a skill. Yeah. It's a skill. Like, for real, it is. It's a, it's a really applicable, like, great skill to learn. For sure. I couldn't agree more. All right, let's go, eat, let's go eat those burgers. All right. I'm going to have to go to the bathroom again. Cool, cool. All right, we're out of here. Bye.